Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads us to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I want to speak with you today about walking. And the Bible is full of ways that God's people are to walk. Uh, in Isaiah, uh, you remember that uh, familiar verse, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, three chapters later, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Uh, and then Proverbs says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, in the New Testament, in Psalm 1, uh, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. And then we go to the New Testament, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians. And then in Ephesians itself, where we are today, to, uh, we are to walk or to live in a manner worthy of the calling you received. And 4 verse 17, uh, so I tell you and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer walk or live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, the way that we walk is really important. And here in Ephesians 5, there are three ways to walk that are highlighted. And so today I want to check in on the way that we're walking together. 
as we continue with our recommitment series, it's really important for us as the body of Christ to watch our feet. Uh, is our walking taking us in the right direction? Is our walking uh, matching our talking? Uh, or is the one who is uh, who we are reflected? Is who we are reflected in in how we're walking? Now, I've got no doubt that during isolation, you saw more than ever before people walking, because walking was one of the only things we could do out of the house, right? And and I think as you observe people walking, you could tell from the way that people walked what their situation was. Uh, So, for example, you could tell who the gardeners were. Do you know how the gardeners walked? The gardeners walked slowly along fence lines, peering over at the spring gardens. Oh, their roses are coming along nicely. Uh, And there were the kids who had been kicked off their screens. They walked differently. They didn't want to be walking. They didn't walk with a purpose. But then you see the power walkers. See, see, they walked with a purpose, right? They walked like they had somewhere to be, but of course we knew, well, they didn't, did they? Uh, see, see, the way that we walk shows something of who we are, shows something of our identity. Uh, now, of course, the apostle in writing this letter could have simply said uh, to the people in Ephesians, uh, uh, in Ephesus, be loving, be different, be wise. But of course, all through Ephesians, it is so much more about who we are and who we are drives what we do. So so let's look at these three walks. Firstly, walking alike in love. Secondly, walking differently as children of the light. And thirdly, walking wisely. Let me go through each of those in turn. So as we turn to Ephesians, let's just reflect on how, as a church, we walk. Firstly, walking alike in self-giving love rather than in self-indulgence. Have a look at chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ himself loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to walk alike. Like what? Well, like each other, but more than that, like Jesus. The first command in this chapter is to follow. Not determine your own path, not to walk your own path, but to, to follow. You've got to have your eyes on the one you're following. And just to add this somewhat humiliating detail, uh, walk like children. You know how children walk, don't you? (laughs) Uh, And we know that children don't so much listen to what we say as do what we do, for better or worse. And so we're to walk as children, as those who follow. And we're going to walk in a way of love following God's example. There's a phrase here that's just so easy to miss. Uh, Jesus' love that we're to follow is captured as self-giving love. Did you see it there? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I wonder if you've heard a prominent atheist uh, tee off on God as the cosmic child abuser. Uh, the, the, The argument runs something like this. You say that God is a God of love, surely there is nothing loving in kind about sending your son to be the sacrifice for sin. They say that's not love, 
That's some messed up form of cosmic child abuse. And you can feel the weight of that, can't you? I wonder who of you has read uh, Abraham's willingness to trust God when he's called on to sacrifice his son, even though he doesn't in the end. And yet it just seems so wrong, doesn't it? And so you can understand the weight of the atheist argument there, can't you? Until you come to a verse like this, where it is so obvious that Jesus the Son wasn't some bystander in the crucifixion. Instead, he willingly walked in place of, uh, in the place of a sacrifice. At each of the critical moments, Jesus gave himself up. He sacrificed himself. And so here, we too are called to give ourselves up in love. In this, we're not being asked to do anything that hasn't already been done by God in Jesus. You remember where we were at the end of chapter 4 last week, being called off to, uh, called on to take off the clothes of falsehood and put on truthfulness, the clothes of truthfulness with each other uh, in a way that's driven by love. Uh, as we're called on to watch our mouths so that rotten words don't escape, this is all springing from this self-giving love uh, as we put off bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander of 4 verse 31 and put on kindness and compassion of verse 32. Why are we doing this? Why are we walking this path? Well, this is the walk of the self-giving love that Jesus walked. How, why are we to forgive others? Well, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So what is this walk? Uh, we understand something of what this walk uh, is by what it's not. Sometimes it's easier to see what we're called to when we see the opposite. Uh, it's not like the self-giving indulgence that we see next in verse 3. You see it there? But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. It's not the first time these behaviours have come up in Ephesians. Uh, just as Jesus was self-giving uh, in love, so the outsiders gave themselves to self-indulgence. You see that in, back in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 19. It says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. Sexual immorality turns giving yourself in love to your spouse to being fed by another for your own sake. From God's design of sexual love to be a perversion of what's called lust. There's any sex outside of God-ordained marriage between a man and a woman. To, to that, you see, is added greed. The context suggests it's linked to sins of the same nature. You remember the Tenth Commandment specifically prohibits coveting a neighbor's wife. 
Do you know how striking this is here? It's not even a hint. That's how high the bar is in this sexualized world that we live in. And we think, surely the apostle couldn't have known our, couldn't know our world. Surely the apostle couldn't understand the difficulty of finding a single show on TV that is free from this stuff. But in our historical superiority, we forget that they lived in a deeply sexualized world too. Ephesus was the home of the Greek goddess Artemis, the temple of Diana of the Ephesians, who was regarded as a fertility goddess. Sexual orgies were regularly associated with her worship. And so, of course, the Ephesians are in a very similar situation. And, of course, the Ephesian Christians, it's not as if they're looking down their nose at the outsiders. They remember, as we do, Ephesians 2 reminds them that that was the way that they used to live. They used to walk when they followed the ways of the world, the kingdom of the ruler of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. They were once there. But instead, they are called to be the saved workmanship of God. You see that in 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for doing good works, which God prepared in advance for them. And 2.17, now I testify this and say uh, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, of course, there is a talk that goes with this walk. Uh, you see in chapter 5, verse 4, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So with this first point, walk alike in self-giving love rather than self-indulgence. Let me just make two comments of application before we move on. Uh, firstly, to the person whose conscience suggests that there is guilt here. When you hear the words, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Um, as people saved by the self-giving love of Jesus, we can hear that as we reflect on our week and feel completely condemned. Uh, please don't understand it, that even a single immoral thought, word or deed is, an, uh, is enough to disqualify you from heaven. If that was the case, I can't think of anyone who passes here. For those who fall in these sins through weakness but afterwards repent in shame and humility, there is forgiveness. The person outside the kingdom is the one who has given themselves over to this behavior, no longer any effort to walk in love following Jesus. But do hear the warning here. Uh, on the one hand, you'll hear people say, don't worry about judgment, you only live one. That's false teaching and that verse 6 warns against. And hear the warning about association and partnership. Don't partner in self-indulgence with others. You are saved away from that. Don't walk in that way. Instead, model your walk on Jesus' self-giving love, his kindness and grace. Forgive the person who sins against you. Walk honestly and with humility, following as a child. So that's the first point. Uh, walk alike in self-giving love rather than in self-indulgence. The second kind of walk. Uh, uh, walk differently to the world, bearing the fruit of light, not darkness. Verse 8, you see that there? 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. It's pretty strong language here, isn't it? There's no, there's no shades of grey here, are there? You're either darkness, not like darkness, you're either darkness or you are light. Not like light, but you are light. You are either darkness or light. The apostle uses this language repeatedly in the next chapter. Uh, he frames the Christian challenge in terms of darkness. At chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, you are light. We are light. You were darkness, but now you are actually light. Your understanding is not is no longer a, a darkness and separation from God. The light of the world has illuminated your situation. You now know God and you walk in the light. Uh, you, you are children of the light. Uh, we, we spoke last week about being people of truth and people who care about justice. Uh, though here, goodness is added. How would you go about defining goodness? Is goodness just an absence of evil? We well, see goodness is, a, is an uprightness of heart. It's an other person-centric generosity. That, that's what we're being called to here with, with goodness. And the, stark, the starkness of the difference is again reinforced in verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. You might ask, well, what does exposing the deeds of darkness look like? Uh, harder still, um, how can you expose deeds of darkness alongside having nothing to do with them? How, like, how do we do that? Well, think literally about light and darkness. What are the activities of darkness? Well, you can't see them, can you? How do you see them? Well, you can only see them when those acts of darkness, when light stands next to them. Uh, light actually transforms them. It, it illuminates uh, what's going on there. So as you, as we walk in the light, uh, as we walk in self-giving love, guess what that shines a light on? Anything that's not like it. See, exposure sounds negative, it, it, showing people up for what they, what they are, judgmental, condemning. The sense here is that this is less about speaking about darkness and it's more simply about living the way of light, showing the fruits of light. Uh, a friend used an illustration that might help you. Uh, I wonder if you remember the Dead Poets Society. In that movie, Robin Williams is an English teacher at a very prim and proper American private school. He's rather eccentric, charismatic, somewhat left of centre. And one of the exercises he uses with the boys is that he takes them to the courtyard and has three boys walk around it while the other boys watch. The first boys, uh, the first, at first the boys walk at their own gait. But after a while, they begin to walk in step. 
And so, so they start marching in unison. And, and then all the boys watching them clap in unison as they march. They're marching together and clapping in unison. Instead, Robin Williams tells them that they need to walk differently from one another. And so they all start to do these funny sort of different walks. And people who are walking normally only realise how common their walking style is when they suddenly see these different walks around them. And you see, it's the same for us. Uh, we're to walk differently as children of light. Your different lifestyle shines a light on those who think their way is the only way. And so, friends, that's the second kind of walk. Walk differently, uh, to, walk differently to the world bearing the fruit of light, not darkness. And then finally, the third kind of walk. And this is walk in wisdom, not in foolishness. You pick it up with me in verse 15. Be careful then how you live or walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do you walk? Wisely. Well, well thankfully, uh, thankfully, the passage uh, continues in a really highly practical way, telling us how it is to walk wisely by highlighting drunkenness. How does wisdom apply to drunkenness? Have a look at verse 18 there. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, foolishness is getting drunk. Wisdom is getting filled with the Spirit. Well, how do you get filled with the Spirit? Uh, how do you get filled with the Spirit rather than filled with spirits? Uh, you, you sing with thankfulness. It's funny, I don't hear that thing, oh, yeah, that's so wise, but it is. I read this from Lionel Windsor, who was the Moore College chaplain who accompanied the team who came on mission here in 2019. This is what he says about wisdom. He says, what is biblical wisdom except for understanding the shape of the world and living appropriately? The wise person understands that Christ is risen and victorious and rules all things. The wise person understands that God has a purpose and a plan to bring all things under the headship of Christ. And yet the wise person also understands that this goal is not yet complete. The days that we live in are still evil. So the truly wise person lives appropriately. The wise person will not live for the moment, but will live carefully day by day in light of the plan that God has for the world through Jesus Christ. The wise person has a reason to be in control of their behaviour. That's why drunkenness is the opposite of wisdom. Drunkenness is, is the giving of ourselves to self-indulgence, the very opposite of self-giving in love that Jesus modelled. You see, today our passage is about the way that we walk as Christians. So wisdom is simply understanding God's shape of the world and living according to it. You see, wisdom is not about IQ. Wisdom is not about academic achievement. The wisest people in the world are often not the ones found on school honour boards. Uh, they are the people who simply listen to God's word and follow God's word 
follow God's example. It's that simple. So, friends, the apostle could have just said, people, be loving, be different, be wise. But, of course, he was going for changed identities. And so he challenges the way that we walk. He calls for us to have a different walk, a walk that is unlike the people around us, but like Jesus, who modelled the self-giving love. Uh, He called us to walk differently, uh, as different as light is from the darkness. And he calls us to walk wisely, understanding God's shape of the world and acting according to it. So we are to walk lovingly, walk differently, and walk wisely. Let me lead us in prayer. Hebrews 9.11 says that, But when Christ came as high priest, he entered the most holy place once for all by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption so that we may serve the living God. Father, you call us to be your people following Jesus, your children, children of the light. Please help us as saved people to live out this great salvation. For we are your handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepare in advance for us to do. Father, as your church, please help us to be your people in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.